15. We're going to read that in the King James, and then we're going to read that in the Amplified. Amen. Pray for our sound booth person this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. While you're turning there. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 14. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Praise God. My little children, these things I write write I unto you that you sin not. I'm writing this unto you because I don't I don't want you to sin. And if any man sin, any human sin, if we sin, that what does that say? Are we are we are we gonna? Is it possible that we can fall back into I know we're not supposed to, you know, but the enemy doesn't stop tempting us just because we have the Holy Ghost. Now, in my opinion, this is my opinion. I think he turns the heat up when when he when on one of us. He's trying to get us to fall. He's trying to make us a trophy in hell. So he turns the heat up on us. Those the ones out there that that aren't giving him much pushback. He just kind of leaves them alone because he doesn't have to do anything. It says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Is that just the whole world then when he wrote this? Or is that the whole world, period? Past, present, future, right? Hereby we know do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Kind of like says... If you know him, if you know what the commandments are, you'll keep them, right? Knowledge is power. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we him, know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith in he is in the light and hateth his brother, he is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother and abideth in, abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, children, Because your sins are forgiven for you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him from that that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Amen? 
So we're going to go to the Amplified, and we're going to read through about verse 9, I guess. I'm not going to read all of that again. Amplified, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young... No. One. Amplified. Okay, we got a new system, so we will just carry on. So the writer... We had the Amplified version on there before. <laughs> we got a new laptop up there and all kinds of new stuff. Yeah. So, hallelujah. God is good. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. The writer is addressing the members of the churches, the congregations of Asia Minor in this scripture. That's who he's talking to. So he's writing to them in their day. In their language, and, you know, this is how the churches basically got uh, exhortation or or encouragement or things like this from these men of God, from John and from Paul and Peter and from all these these men that Jesus chose to be the, the leaders of the church in that day as they wrote these letters. And they would read these letters in the churches, in the congregations. They didn't have buildings and and so in each group, they would read the letters, and then they would roll that letter up and send it with a courier to the next group, and they would read it out loud to the congregation. And then they would roll it up and send it to the next group. Hallelujah, she found it. It's okay, we're going to move on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So the church at that time was dealing with a lot of corrupt influences. And teachings from people that were drawing believers out of their doctrines uh, into their doctrines that were contrary to the gospel. Does that sound like today? There's nothing new under the sun, is there? There's people out there that would like to try to convince you that what you have is not real. Right? Oh, that they'll say all kinds of silly things like, oh, that Holy Ghost was is not for now. That was just for then. Well, I'm sorry to have to to tell you this, but I've already received the Holy Ghost. So how is that possible then? If God only meant it for then. And and I know lots of people, hundreds of them that have received the Holy Ghost. So how is that possible? You've come too late to tell me that that's not for me. But there's still out there's people out there that that are trying to to lure us away. The enemy he doesn't come up in our face and get all up in our grill and in our face and start getting in, in our stuff and saying stuff. No. I'm going to use the analogy of a sweet roll. <laughs> right? He comes at us like a sweet roll. Oh, man, i got to have one of those. Make sure you have a sweet roll today. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> or a half a sweet roll or a fourth of a sweet roll, whatever suits you. But that's how he comes at us. Subtle. He's an angel of light. He's not going to get up in your face and say, what business do you have serving God? He's not going to do that. He's going to come at you subtly. He's going to send people down your path and start plugging in questions in your mind. Why are you doing what you're doing? You're missing out on all the fun. Right? Come on. Come with us. Let's go have fun. Isn't that what he does? It's very subtle. Gets you to try to turn away. Right? 
He never lets up, does he? Does anybody, anybody besides me know that? He never lets up. And so that's what they were dealing with then. And so John can't be right there, just like Paul couldn't be right there in every church service. There's no way. Because they had house churches everywhere. And the more that they got persecuted, the more that they scattered, the more house churches that started. And there was no way to keep up that one man, one itinerant preacher couldn't keep up with all that. So they wrote these letters. Most of these guys, like Paul, wrote these letters from prison. They had nothing else to do. (laughs) What else are you going to do? So they felt led of God to write these letters. And I know that. We know that. Why? Because that's a part of what we have in this book today. So that was God instructing the church through those men. Even though they couldn't physically be there, they had that word to encourage the churches, just like we talked about in the book of James. We needed They needed encouragement to keep going, to keep pressing on, to keep this thing moving forward, to keep growing the church. And it wasn't going to stop people like these people from coming in and trying to upset the apple cart. And they were coming right in and they were, they were trying to, to usurp what God had started. And so John's writing this letter. The apostle John is encouraging them and admonishing them to stay true to the original teachings. Right? What, just think about it for a minute. What was it? You were just testifying about how you got to this place. What was it that brought you to that point where you said, okay, I'm making a decision today. Whatever it was brought you to the edge of the precipice and you stepped over it. And you said, I'm stepping over this and I'm not going back. Whatever God did, whatever word he put in you, whatever preaching came forth, whatever he did in your spirit, he brought you to that place of decision where you said, all right, I'm doing this. And that's what John is telling the church, to stay true to what you've to what you first believed. Something happened that day when you received the Holy Ghost. Something happened with that day when I came out of that East China Sea in Jesus' name. Something was different. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't write a, a dissertation on it. But I'm telling you, something changed in me. Something happened in that water when they called that name over me. And I've never been the same since. And that's what John is telling them. Stay true to what you first believed. Right? And like I said, it just, it sounds just like today. We've been given power through the Holy Ghost, haven't we? To live above sin. To know. I, I like to liken it in my mind to a little alarm system that, cause I, the more of this word that I put in me, it becomes like a filter. And so whenever stuff comes my way into my mind, the enemy works, that's where he works, right? In our mind. And so when stuff comes into my mind, I have to run it through the filter. And say, wait a minute, what is, that doesn't pass the smell test. And some stuff, it's pretty obvious, pretty pretty quick. You know, ah, devil, get out of here. Go bother somebody else. Right? But some stuff, you know, you have to run it through that filter. And if we don't have enough, a thick enough filter, if we don't have a, a tight enough filter, if we don't have enough of that word in us, how are we going to filter some of this stuff? Because it's so subtle. 
It's so, it just, it looks and smells like something that we, it should be okay to do, but then we don't know. Because we don't have that word in us to, to say, wait a minute, that doesn't line up. And think about those people that he wrote this to. They didn't have this. They, they, they couldn't turn to chapter, verse of a book. They couldn't do it. Most of them couldn't read. So how did they make it? They didn't have multimedia. How did they make it? How did they make it? Think about it. How did they make it? They had to trust God. They couldn't even trust man. They had to trust what they had experienced. Think about people like Abraham that and and Noah that had to trust that he had to trust that this voice he was hearing telling him to build this boat was God's voice and not some his own voice. He wasn't losing his ever loving mind. And people, what did they do? They mocked him about building this boat in the, on the top of a mountain. It's like that's in that isn't that what happens when you when you get really into doing something for God? What's the first thing people do? They ridicule you. They mock you. They they call you crazy. And that's what those people were in that day. They weren't your typical Jews and Gentiles. They were a, a separate group, right? They, they were separated, and Jesus started a new thing. So they were weird to the to that even that generation. If they would have just been good Jews or good Gentiles, it'd been one thing. But they were kind of weird. So it. It's like, you know, when, when you're, when you got into this and your family thought you were enjoying a cult or something. You know, the first thing you want to try to do is get you out of that thing before they get into your mind even worse. Right? That's true. It's like I told them, it's not a cult. Nobody makes, nobody's making me do this. I did it willingly. I took the word and I studied it. Nobody threatened me. They're not taking my money. I'm giving it willingly. I'm doing this because I want to. Because I didn't like the life I was living. So that word sin in the Greek is the, is the word hamartano. Hamartano. I think that's how you say it. It means to miss the mark on the way, not to hit the mark. One who keeps missing the mark in his relationship to God. And that's in the Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary. And I thought about that. you got to be aiming at something to either hit it or miss it. <laughs> you, know, you might grab your bow and arrow and put your target up, and or you might grab your Glock or whatever and put your target up and start shooting, and you might hit the target. Remember when we went through training, had to shoot our weapons? You, either you hit that target or you didn't. There was no there was no doubting if you missed it because they, they make you walk down there and you look on that little piece of paper and if there wasn't little holes in it, you missed. You were aiming down range. Where'd your bullets go? I don't know. <laughs> and then they'd go walk over to the next target over, which doesn't seem like it'd be very far, but it's like from that side of that door to that side of that door. And you, and then the guy that just shot three shots had six holes in his target. <laughs> hey, there is your three holes over there. You were aiming at the wrong target. 
But if you're if you're missing the mark, you got to be aiming first. So are we always aiming at the mark? We're always aiming at trying. We're, I get up every morning, don't you? This is this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to be rejoice and be glad in it. God, I'm lo- I love you today. Just the same, if not more, than yesterday. Is that a guarantee that I'm going to make it through the day? No, but I'm sure aiming that way. I'm sure trying. I'm I'm trying to stay on that path, aren't you? So that's that's what he was encouraging them. He said, "I know." You're going to falter. We're, we're all going to fail. We're all going to have failure. Right? No, this is going to hit the mark every time. But we're striving for perfection, the Bible says. We're striving to get there. Right? Every day. Lord, help me to, to let go of some more stuff. To, to let go of some more baggage that maybe I'm dragging around with me, God. And help me to just do be more like you every day and less like me. If, if I can dump more of me along the way and take on more of you, I'll be more like you, right? Right? I mean, we've all heard that that child is just like his grandmother. Right? Because we pass on certain traits. And it goes from our kids, and then they have kids, and then they pass those same traits on to their kids. And then people make those statements. That kid, she looks just like she, she does things just like her grandmother does. Why is that? Because those same things get passed down. Things that we don't even think about. Right? So I want to be like my father. I want people to say he looks just like his father. He acts just like his heavenly father. Isn't that what Jesus tried to do? If you go back and study Jesus' life, everything, just about everything he did or said, he gave he gave credit to one person for it. I don't do this. It's my father's telling me to do it. I'm not saying this. It's my father saying for me to do it. Say it. Whatever. And so that's what our desire needs to be. The book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 21. She should be right on this. Romans 3:21 But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe for there's no difference that's us right for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul's telling them. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation. Didn't we just read that word? Propitiation. He's our our go-between. He's there for us. He's our mediator. Through the faith of His blood. Faith in His blood. Not in ourselves. Not in our abilities. Faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. What is a forbearance? Anybody ever heard that term? Maybe in banking? 
right? What's a forbearance in a student loan? They keep pushing it back, right? Like it's a, like a deferred, like deferred, a deferred loan. Oh, you don't have to pay that right now because you're still a student. So they give you a forbearance. They keep pushing it forward. Isn't that what Israel did every year when they bring that, that animal to be sacrificed for their family. They were pushing it forward. And that's what Jesus is there for. He's covering it with his blood. He's, he's giving us a forbearance. Right? So Paul was encouraging the church, that church even then, the, the body of Christ, just as the Apostle John was. He wrote to them to encourage them that it was when he was in prison and not, not able to be right there. And we truly have, we really do have an advocate, don't we? What's an advocate? If you advocate for something, what are you doing? Like some people are out there advocating and they're advocates for kids that are in uh, foster care, right? When nobody will stand up for somebody and for the little ones, for the for the unborn or whatever, when nobody else will stand up for them, those those that that feel that that's important will stand up and stand in the gap for those unborn children. Let's say they're advocating. They're they're the advocate. I'll stand in the gap if nobody else will. I'll be their defense since they can't speak for themselves. So that's what Jesus is, is our advocate. He's our mediator. He's our propitiation. And Jesus even told his disciples. He said, I know that your spirit is willing and your flesh is weak. In the book of Psalms, it says he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. Psalm 103, 14. Is this okay this morning? John one, John 2, 1, verse 1, he told us to, that we can go to him as an advocate. That word advocate means counselor, encourager, mediator. Some of you all have already said those words. He's our counselor. Didn't it say something about that in Isaiah somewhere? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Need peace in your life? Need a counselor? There you go. That's what he's there for. We can go to the throne of grace when we have fallen short. And the Bible says that he is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, unrighteousness doesn't come from God, does it? Where does it come from? Us. Us. We choose to be unrighteous. The devil doesn't make us do anything, does he? Does he? If you're old enough in this room, there was a guy, comedian that used to say that. The devil made me do it. Well, that's a lie of the devil right there. Because the devil don't make you do anything. He don't like you doing some stuff. And he tries to get you to stop doing some stuff. And he'll, he'll use whatever methods and means that he can 
He'll even use family. He will use the closest people to you to do his dirty work. If he can find a vessel, because he can't get up in your face, literally. So if he can find a vessel, somebody that's willing to, to be used by him, he'll use them to say the words he wants to say to you. And he'll come at you through your family, through circumstances and all kinds of upheaval and uproar and everything else, won't he? Now, there's a lot of people in this room saying, mm-hmm and yeah, but are, are you just saying that or do you know that to be true? Has that happened to you? And you're like, what in the world is going on? What is what is it with all this stuff going on in my life? Everything was so wonderful a few minutes ago. And now it seems like all hell is breaking loose. And if you step back a minute and look at the situation in the spirit, you realize the enemy's going to fight you on every turn, every which way he can. If he can't get you this way, he'll come at you through another way. And yes, he will do it through your own family. He will, won't he? To try to disrupt your thoughts and just get get you off the track, get you thinking about stuff you don't need to be thinking about. That's why he gave us that scripture. That one that says, casting all your care upon him, for you, for he careth for you. And what is, what is casting all your care? What is that? What is your care? What do you care about? What's important to you? A lot of stuff, right? Stuff you have no control over. Some stuff you don't have any business getting your hands involved in. Right? What do you do with it? Do you fret about it? Do you carry that around like a backpack full of weights and say, I don't know, God, what I'm going to do about this? Oh, God, and he's just saying, if you just cast it on me, I'll take care of it. Right? Because you don't need to be carrying that stuff around. You need to throw that rock in somebody else's pond. <laughs> Praise God. You do. Don't, th- don't just give it to him. You know that there's a song, before I even got in truth, there was this song that said, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. You'll trust and never doubt. He'll surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord. We've never sung that here, but I remember that. It was Assembly of God Church we attended in Panama, but they sung that song all the time. And it's stuck in my head. And that's what we got to do. It's what he's telling the church to do. Don't be burdened with all this stuff. Just You trusted in Jesus initially. Just keep trusting him. Praise God. So we can go to that throne room. We can go to the throne room of grace. He's robed us with his righteousness. So we are his sons. Right? You know, in heaven there's no there's no male-female, right? There isn't. So that's why he says we're all his sons. Because it's heavenly spiritual sons. Right? It's our soul. There's no gender. Right? I don't think there. There's, I'm sure there's not. Right? There's not male and female angels. So we are his, we're his sons. We have that, we're like that son that came back from 
the prodigal, that we've got that ring on, we've got that robe on, we've got the shoes on. We're his. We can go to him. Say, Daddy, I'm going to give this to you. It's your daddy, so here, it's your problem now, not mine. That's what he's telling us to do. So we're going to move on down to verses 12 through 14 of 1 John chapter 2. And let's go ahead and read 12 through 14 again. If you could bring that up, please. And I'm trying to hurry. I know some of y'all are chomping at the bit (laughs) to get a sweet roll. (laughs) Please, please eat the sweet rolls. Don't make me take them home. (laughs) Praise God. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Who's the the him that's from the beginning? The I am, right? I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling and working in you. You've figured out how to overcome the wicked one. Amen? So Paul, John is reiterating to all the different types of people in the body, isn't he? The young men, the children, the older men, and he, it includes the women too. He's talking to the whole group. He's encouraging each individual group in the church. Every part of that body is needful. The elders are needed. The young men are needed. They're the strong ones. They're going to be carrying it to the next generation. The elders have all that life experience behind them and, and the, the years of living for God, and so they're going to... Encourage and, and lead the younger ones as they go, and the young and the children are, are looking up to the, the ones above them to see how they're going to act and see what they're doing, see how they're handling things. And that's how they're going to determine how they're going to handle it when they get to that place. Aren't the little children watching the adults in church? Huh? They're watching. You might not think they are, but they're watching. They're watching who's praying and who's not. They're watching. They're watching. Your little children at home, they're watching. You might not think they are. But I found out that they're watching when I was trying to teach my sons how to drive. And they started saying things like, well, Dad, you do this when you drive. Like... Yeah, yeah, I had to admit they were right. <laughs> yeah, but don't do that. <laughs> but they had watched me when they were 12, 13, 14. Right? They're watching. They are watching. The younger ones are watching. And so they he's encouraging them. They're being admonished to encourage one another. Right? All right. 
okay? Praise God. Amen. Let's stop and pray. Jesus' name, right now, let's pray in Jesus' name, right now. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, right now, in Jesus' name. Father, we pray your, your mighty hand upon this man right now, Lord Jesus, your healing touch, your healing.